Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Anil Cherian. Anil is the Executive Vice President of Strategy and Technology at Cognizant, a roughly $20 billion revenue technology services company. He's had that role for a bit more than two years now. Prior to that, he was the Director and Deputy Commissioner of Technology Transformation Services for the U.S. federal government. That followed a six-year stint as the Chief Information Officer of SunTrust Bank. As someone who's been a CIO and now someone who advises them, I look forward to getting his thoughts on what he's learning on topics like the upcoming economic headwinds, the war for talent and the great resignation, as well as the future of work. Also, given his business, I'm interested in how he thinks about growth areas for talent globally. Anil, welcome back to Technovation. It's great to see you again. I'm glad to be here. It's always good to be uh, speaking with you too, Peter. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, um, Anil, I have found, especially during the course of the, the pandemic and these very complex times where there is so much that is unprecedented, the necessity to be in regular conversation with a number of leaders to understand what are they doing during these times? What hypotheses are they testing, which have been correct, which have not? And translating as best we can into our own organizations, the uh, those observations that we have from a variety of, of, of learned sources, a kitchen cabinet of sorts. And I'm always interested in speaking with you, Anil, as somebody who is himself uh, deeply insightful, but also as someone who is deeply connected. And I, I thought we could, I've been looking forward to sort of testing a few ideas with you and asking you a few questions and uh, regarding observations you've had from recent conversations across your ecosystem, in addition to the ways in which you're processing some of that back into the organization you help lead. And I, and I thought I'd begin with one of the broader uh, topics, which is um, a, a, an assessment of where we are economically uh, here in the U.S. and the extent to which you'd care to offer uh, a thoughts abroad. Obviously, yours is a business and your network is a network that is very uh, diverse geographically. What are you seeing uh, as you as you contemplate where we are economically and the potential headwinds we may be heading into? That's a great question. As, as, as you can imagine, that's something that we're constantly looking at, given uh, given what's been going on. Uh, our breadth, as you know, is uh, you know all over sixty different countries and uh, global, and we have over three hundred fifty thousand people all over. And you know, most recently, we had a meeting with uh, some of our very senior clients. And I uh, really appreciate you joining the meeting as well. So you heard a little bit of what I'm about to say. But you know, given the confluence of a lot of black swan events, as we call it, you know, the, uh, you know, the whole Ukraine crisis, the energy crisis, the um, supply chain crisis, uh, and uh, obviously COVID and pandemic and the after effects of that. And, and it's, uh, it's really been an interesting a few months as most of us are now grappling with, are we in a recession? Is the recession about to come or or where are we, right? And I think the way I'd put it is that there are all the signs are there that we are seeing across the board, across the globe, a form of downturn, a form of slowdown. And uh, that's happening across the board. Uh, and you know, it might vary a little bit in, in Europe versus the Americas and so on. Uh, but, you know, given the... You know, the negative yield curve, given what's going on with the inflation rates and so on, it's in it's inevitable. Uh, there, there's a little glimmer behind all of that, you know, a little bit of sunlight that I can see there in that rain 
And then that's really the unemployment numbers. The unemployment numbers really haven't gone uh, you know, gone up as, it, as much as one would have thought. So there's a little glimmer of there, the hope there. We're not really sure if that's just a, a number calculation thing, you know, number of people applying for jobs or not. But um, in our mind, the question is, is the recession a, a slow, shallow recession or is it a deep, long recession? And at this stage, if anyone can give me the answer to that, I'd love to meet him. So uh, that's, uh, I think that's where we are with it. Yeah, no, fair, fair points. And the extent to which, of course, uh, what's to come isn't fully knowable. I wonder what you're seeing or even what you're advising as you, uh, as you speak with a number of large companies around the world in terms of preparation for that. Um, any, any observations there, please? Oh, yeah. In fact, that's one of the uh, topics of conversation in the last week that we were just having. Um, and you know, we're in budget season, as you know, everyone's budgeting as everyone's in the they've gone through the strategic planning. They're now looking at their budgets and they're looking at where they where they should spend in the next year. Almost invariably, folks are looking at their budgets and saying, where where is it that we need to be spending from a technology perspective? Uh, where should we be investing? And we're seeing a lot of shifting in terms of priorities to move away from those strategic, longer term, the, what I call the growth opportunities that perhaps may not be as easily measurable to much more short term, in-year, real opportunity to measure the uh, the value of the investments. So people are really looking at, I think it's a, a shift in in focus. That's what we're beginning to see. Uh, where should they be? Where are they spending? Is 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 really on those uh, on those shorter projects? Uh, there's a lot of questions on. You know, the, the, everyone understands that they need to continue down the path of digital transformation. That that's not slowing down. That is continuing to exist. It's just a question of where they're spending. A lot of our clients are also looking at should they consolidate their vendors? Should they look at efficiency? Should they look at ways in which they can measure that efficiency? A lot of uh, clients have now, having moved to the cloud, suddenly realized that the bill that they're getting from their hyperscalers has been growing, partly because it's just been more expensive, but partly because the consumption rates have gone, gone so, so high. So they're actually looking at something called FinOps, which is what are we really uh, getting for the value of the money? Uh, and and right shoring is another conversation that we're getting into with a lot of our clients. So they look at, should we bring stuff back in-house? Should we still have a captive? Or should we create a captive? Should we create a virtual captive? Should we look at uh, doing work more near shore? There's a lot of those types of conversations that are happening as well. So it's a long-winded answer to your question, but now there is a, as people get into that uh, potential for a recession, they're really shifting the way in which they're thinking about their spend. That's very interesting. And uh, you are yours is a company that is very geographically diverse yourself. And I know it's been very interesting for me to speak with a number of uh, technology leaders across scaled organizations who, in some cases, have been burned by where they happen to have either captives or managed service providers with a preponderance of resources in a single geography. You know, if if um, one's tech team happens to be in Russia or in Ukraine right now, that's a problematic uh, set of circumstances, whereas historically, those are obviously deep uh, talent markets for technology. And 
yeah, I wonder if you have any observations about that uh, in terms of what you're seeing among companies as they look for either greater diversity uh, in terms of the mix to perhaps de-risk the scenarios where they're leaning on a single geography to too great an extent, or if there are other um, other decisions you're seeing starting to, starting to rise as a result of some of these perceived risks that need to be mitigated. Yeah, I think the the whole regulatory de-risking country risk conversations are beginning to really bubble up, especially given Ukraine uh, and and what's happening there. China, in terms of more manufacturing, what's been going on there. And uh, the geopolitical environment, given the Ukraine-Russia war, in terms of who is really being supportive of Russians versus Ukrainians, et cetera, there's a little bit of a geopolitical um, concern there on the part of many, especially here in the West. And uh, as a result of that, there's a lot of conversations on where can we find the right resources? Where can we scale up appropriately and then one one thing that perhaps we haven't really talked about a lot is the way of working as you start driving towards more agile DevOps, pod-based delivery, the way of working has also changed and will continue to change as we do more and more things in a digital fashion. So lots of uh, variables there in terms of where people are then thinking about what we are calling right, right shoring or what has been called right shoring. You know, not just nearshoring, uh, where shoring is is the other big uh, uh, term that people are using. But we are actively looking at how does our global delivery network within Congress and, uh, have to exist, and how do we need to be able to share workloads across our global delivery network, and uh, and that is really making us build out more capabilities in some of the uh, some of the countries that. Um, that perhaps we were not that big in. You know, scaling up right now in terms of technical talent, historically, India has been the place where you can scale really fast. However, other countries are now really picking up steam in, in uh, Romania, as it were, Mexico, Brazil, um, the Philippines. There's a lot of opportunities to grow uh, technical talent there. Do you see, uh, Anil, any sorts of... Uh... Uh, points of differentiation from one geography to another in terms of the kinds of work that's done or best suited for certain geographies, given the you know the, the way in which they're educated, the the companies that tend to do business there, and therefore special depth in a certain industry or not, or are they becoming a bit more overlapping in terms of their areas of expertise? Yeah, there's traditionally a concept that everyone had where you'd go to India for technical resources. You'd go to the Philippines to do outsourcing of business processes, contact centers, and so on. And then you go to places like Romania and Ukraine for pure engineering talent. Uh, and, but now I think there's a little bit of blurring of that in terms of what you can find. And there's a transition that's going on in terms of where people are uh, wanting to spend the time, where people, you know, there's a lot of, uh, the traditional Indian outsourcers used to do a lot of the traditional waterfall types of projects, large outsourcing, what we call AMS projects, where you're basically managing and maintaining systems. However, there's a huge push to drive towards much more of that agile at speed 
types of uh, uh, technology, uh, full stack engineers, as it were, even in those places. So there is a little bit of a blurring. And uh, that's what we find in, uh, as we start building our global delivery networks. Uh, how can we create the same kind of methodology across the board and figure out a way in which we can operate across, kind of seamlessly across those different delivery centers? Yeah, very interesting. Um, I, I wanted to also ask you a related topic. You you alluded to it earlier, and I wanted to double click on it further, and that is the war for talent. Uh, that ironically, in some ways, given the fact that it appears as though we are headed into some economic headwinds, as aforementioned, uh, the as you also alluded to, the uh, unemployment figures remain remarkably low, especially here in the U.S. and, and in some other uh, you know uh, major economies as well. I wonder what your own assessment of that is. Uh, obviously, this is unusual uh, given where we where we are now. Uh, do, you, do you feel in some ways that it's kind of a representation of uh, the fact that the last predicted recession um, when the pandemic at the outset of the pandemic, which, of course, if you were an airline or a hospitality company or a restaurant company was profound. But for many others, they actually grew at faster uh, rates than they even anticipated at the end of 2019. And therefore, there was this sort of um, false storm, if you will, that uh, that they believe they were heading into that didn't exist. That perhaps there's a, you know, a, a hope indeed, but also maybe even a, a bit of an expectation as opposed as a result of that. That one needs to, needs to make sure they're not letting go of valuable resources uh, without yet understanding the depth, as you pointed out, the depth and, and the and the pace with which we will get through the the what what may be an economic um, headwind to come. Yeah, no, I, that's very much the different factors at play, at play here. You know, if you go go back to the original premise that is is if a recession is coming, which which everybody feels there is one, and the depth of it is not that clear, uh, the the uh, pace at which people are still driving technology projects has not slowed down. Uh, that is still in existence. So there's no, and I, and I see that across industries as well. So, so the question is, you know, are people going to get hit with that at some point or not? And so the war for talent continues to rage because of the pace at which people, the demand is still there. The demand is still strong. Now on the supply side, where there has been the great resignation, there have been people leaving, uh, balancing demand and supply has really been the war for talent. People have been hiring like like crazy, and you know we ourselves have continued to hire at a pretty rapid pace. We hire over 150,000 people a year across the across the globe, and uh, that's just to keep in pace with that demand supply uh, deficiency here. So, so we need we I think is going to continue at that pace, but given the fact that the fear of recession has perhaps slowed down some of the hiring in some of the uh, hyperscalers, for example, or some of the captives are reconsidering, should they be hiring as many as they should? The level of res resignations that we're seeing has begun to slow down a little bit. And uh, is that going to slow down or is that going to make sure make this war for talent decline in some shape or form? That's we're not sure. I, my own belief is that it'll continue for some period of time. Uh, this this is a two or three quarter 
uh, war that's going to continue. And then who knows what happens after that? Are we deep in a deep recession or are we kind of coming out? Uh, hopefully we're coming out at the, at the end of that. But um, but you're absolutely right. I think we're um, there's various behaviors that are taking place at this point. People are hoarding resources, even if they uh, even if they may not need them. People are hiring ahead of uh, ahead of the uh, the curve, as it were, so that when we do pick back up, you know, just imagine in the uh, the COVID times, a lot of the airlines and the hospitality companies just stopped working. And they had to fire a lot of their people. I mean, lay off a lot of their people. And uh, when things started picking back up, they were they were they had to scramble. They had to scramble for resources. And I know a lot of our clients in the hospitality industry were scrambling. Uh, so they don't want to go through that same um, catch up mode, uh, depending on the size of the, the recession here. Yeah. You mentioned briefly there, uh, Anil, the scale of your own hiring, which is really remarkable. Uh, the number of of people you need to add to your staff in order to keep up with growth. Is, is there any um, difference in the kinds of people that you are hiring, whether it's the skills that you're looking for? You talked a little bit about the geographic mix. I wonder the extent to which there's you know uh, a greater uh, emphasis in certain parts of the world, for instance. A- any new insights as to where you all are directing those efforts of the very large scale hiring uh, that you're in the throes of? Yeah, one one of the things we pride ourselves on is our ability to onboard, train, and grow resources, and that's a machine in Cognizant. That has been a machine that Cognizant is very famous for, and so one of the ways in which we're driving up the pace of uh, fighting the war for talent, as it were, is to hire a lot of folks who are more junior and coming in straight from college. And uh, I, and we have that machine and the ability to train them. So when you take, talk about 150,000 people that we're hiring, probably a third of those are college hires. And uh, it's the mix that we have. It, it also adjusts our pyramid to some extent. So we are, have a ability to leverage uh, stronger, uh, more experienced resources with more junior resources as well. So the, the mix from an experience base is changing. There's always the need for full stack engineers, especially as we start doing large scale uh, you know, digital programs, uh, working with and more from an agile standpoint. Uh, the the need for uh, those who are more um, uh, able to deal with the agile DevSecOps operations, that is also uh, something that you know, the old mainframe, waterfall technologists, there's still a need for them, but it's not as high as, as, the, uh, as the other. So there's the, 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 the um, uh, skill levels are changing quite a bit and the, um, the skill mixes are changing quite a bit, but it really puts a lot of onus on us to train on board and really ensure that our, 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 our associates are ready for the work that's lying ahead of them, the new type of work that's lying ahead of them. Yeah, that, wow, that scale is really remarkable to contemplate. Uh, related to that as well, uh, the future of work conten- continues to be, I find anyway, Anil, this evergreen topic because it is fast evolving. And though it seems as though most people, at least here in the US, um, have reconciled themselves to the, the fact that there will be some degree of hybrid work that continues now, whether that means more time in the office and less uh, virtually uh, or the reverse, 
and the, the, the stances that organizations will take about the liberty that, that employees have as to what that mix looks like and when they come in certainly is evolving. Um, but but there, there, it's, it strikes me as sort of this ongoing um, set of hypotheses that continue to be tested and with course corrections along the way based upon what's working and what isn't. I would love your observations, Anil, and the extent to which you have any that uh, are representative of some of the differences, geographically speaking, uh, where, where, where you are seeing anything that uh, is, is particularly striking. I'd love to hear from you about, about that. Yeah, it's, a, it's really an interesting phenomenon. I'm not sure. Mo- I talked to most of our clients so about this return to office concept and uh, in terms of where are we and what, what, what do they see. And most, most companies were drawing lines in the sand in the last year to say, okay, from June on, we're all going to come back to the office. Or from July on, we're going to have three days a week, hybrid uh, you know, hybrid work, et cetera, et cetera. That drawing lines in the sand has just not really worked out. And it's fundamentally because the employee power or the value that the employees feel they have now, given the war for talent, given uh, the need for all of these resources, that has shifted significantly from employer to employee. Now, is that going to continue along with that path or not? If there is a mas- massive res- uh, recession, perhaps that's going to change. But uh, but who knows? Who knows what, where that's going to go? But at this point, we are our our approach in Cognizant has been very much a let's deal with it more from a a client base. Let's deal from it more from a um, an organization or a management le- level decision, uh, it, it, a team level decision, as it were. And let's be as flexible as possible, because we can't afford to have our uh, our associates uh, not want to join us, given if we put hard and fast rules. Um, we're also looking at ways, in, and this varies really by country, uh, in in terms of the level of com- commute that people need to have. You know, if say if you're living in uh, a town like Bangalore and you're 15 miles away from your office, the commute can be three hours long. And you don't want to have people commuting three hours every day. And uh, that's just going to take away from their productivity. So it really varies based on whether you're in an urban center or or if you're in some of the other centers. Uh, it becomes a really difficult conversation to say, we want you back, um, you know, five days a week or three days a week or whatever. The only other twist to all of this is you know, a lot of our clients and ourselves are figuring out ways in which we can bring people back to office around moments that matter. You know, moments such as a new collaboration approach that we need to have or a uh, communication uh, deal or a celebration deal. You know, there's, there's ways in which we need to construct the return to office to be around what we call moments that matter, moments that really make, make some sense, rather than blindly having this diktat that says thou shall return to office and then have everybody sit in the office and be on you know, Zoom calls or, or, te- or, or Teams calls, whatever. So um, uh, it's really changing quite a bit. Is it going to evolve even further? Uh, I, I feel being a little bit old fashioned myself, the need to have people in rooms together is paramount to building a culture of a company. And uh, we have to do. We have to figure out a way to do this. 
uh, and we have to figure out a way to make that work. And uh, all of these, the last few months and the next few months are going to be experimentation around uh, coming up with the right answer as far as that's concerned. Well, Anil Chirian, thank you so much for sharing some perspectives representative of the collaborations you have with a great number of, of technology and digital chiefs. Uh, it's been great to get your perspective and by extension theirs. Appreciate you sharing them. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Peter.